Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Reds Unrestricted. I'm your host, Corey Bloxham, and I'm joined today by David Comerford, as usual. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. And this one is kind of a, a Benfica special for us. In today's episode, we are going to look ahead at Liverpool's Champions League quarterfinal tie against Benfica. Um, it is Thursday, the 31st of March, uh, and I'm happy to be joined by Cristiano Oliveira um, from the Benfica podcast, who's going to give us a little bit of an insight into how Benfica are doing and what troubles they can cause Liverpool. Um, so to, to start it off, uh, let's go with their league and they sit third in the Premier League at 12 points behind Porto and six points behind Sport and Lisbon, two of their biggest rivals. Um, and I'm going to come to you, Cristiano. Do you think it's a fair reflection of how they've played this season? Did he deserve to be that many points behind uh, the the two that he's challenging, which is seen to challenge every single year? Um, and also, is it a case of... Uh, are you happy with where you are in the Champions League? If you got knocked out at this stage um, but didn't win the league, would it still be kind of this fairy tale season that you have had to get this far? Um, because you have been underdogs and you have played really, really well. Uh, knocked out some kind of big teams and, and now you face Liverpool, which is um, a really exciting tie for you. Wow. So, so many, so many ways I could go here. But first of all, I'd like to say hello to you guys and thank you very much for inviting me on your uh, podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk about Benfica and in particular when it's against these big time teams like, you know, Liverpool of the world. It's it's exciting. So thank you very much. Um, to, to, to answer your initial question, if I feel that it's fair that Benfica, uh, you know, uh, or if I'm content with being 12 points behind first place in the Portuguese league, absolutely not. Benfica is a club that strives uh, to win every competition that they participate in, in particular the Portuguese league, we've uh, Benfica have won the most cups in, in in the history of the Portuguese league, and therefore we expect to be up there um, every single season. That being said, uh, I, I think the difference between Benfica, Porto, and Sporting this year has just been consistency. Benfica have had their ups and downs. Um, you know, we brought in a, a huge big time coach, at least we thought he was, George Jesus, who who came in uh, from Flamengo. He he'd previously been at Benfica from. I believe 2010 to 2016 and he had a really good run with Benfica or 20 oh might have been 09 09 to 16 and he had a brilliant run with Benfica leading him to two um Europa League finals uh and you know, so it's it, it was a real consistent period of time where Benfica was constantly winning and and challenging for every cup that they were uh, involved in but this year uh, the club struggled uh, f- right off the gate and then the pressure started piling on and the fan base wasn't content because they spent boats of money and Jesus again was brought in to, to get results and, and the results just weren't coming. And the other two teams took advantage of uh, our laps in play and rightfully so, whether, you know, it pains me or not, um, they were where they belong. And uh, Benfica right now is just, you know, looking up at the table, but they've gotten a lot more consistent of late. They fired or mutually agreed to part ways with George Zeus back in December. And ever since then, the club seems to have, you know, headed in the right way, a little bit more consistency um, and, you know, starting to get results. Not to answer your question as far as, you know, if Benfica will be content um, getting to this part of the Champions League and, you know, and even though they're in third place, if we find it a successful see, absolutely not. Benfica is, as I mentioned before, um, they're a club that wants to challenge um, for every cup that they're in. 
And we understand that there is a huge gap between the likes of Benfica and Portuguese clubs, right? And the likes of Liverpool, Man United, Man City, and the big clubs in the Premier League, right? We can't compete with you guys money-wise, but there's no reason why Benfica shouldn't strive to, at the very least, get to to this period of the competition year in, year out, right? Getting out of the group stage and then anything could happen in, in, in you know, round of 16 and then obviously start facing the big boys when you get to the quarters. But this is where I believe Benfica should be year in, year out. Obviously, things haven't gone well at the start of the lose of late. But again, this is a club with tremendous amount of history, club that's used to the big stage, a club that's, you know, caused a lot of damage in, in a lot of big stadiums and a lot of big cities throughout European football. Um, and this is exactly where we expect them to be. So to answer the question more that would I be content? Absolutely not. Quarterfinals. Yeah, look, it's something nice to look at. But at the end of the day, domestically, we've not been where we where we were expected to be. And so, um, you know, it, it'd be a little bit of bittersweetness. You've mentioned consistency there, and I just want to go back on it. Um, do you think the reason that you've done maybe so well in the Champions League at the moment is because you don't have to be as consistent in the Champions League, especially when it comes out to these these knockout ties? Um, you mean you play two legs and you don't have to be perfect or brilliant over those two legs. You just need to get the job done. There's um, a lot of things about uh, when we compare Champions League teams where they, they haven't been consistent in leagues, but they've managed to go on a cup run in the Champions League. Um, and do you think that maybe it is a bit of the fact that you don't need uh, consistency all the time in the Champions League? You need to put in good performances like you obviously have done. You've knocked out some really big teams. I mean, Ajax was one of them, which I, I know a lot of people weren't thinking you were going to knock out and then you just go and do. Um, so is it, is it a case of, Maybe the consistency, uh, like not having that, is is kind of helped you in the Champions League because it's not always the highlight of what a team needs. I think once Benfica stumbled out of the the starting gates and they weren't coming up with the results that everyone was expected to, or were expecting them to to put up. Obviously, the player morale, the confidence starts missing, and all of a sudden you just don't know which direction which direction you're going in. But then you, you're lucky to be playing in such a beautiful competition that is the Champions League. And that in itself is a reason to get up every single uh, Tuesday or Wednesday to partake in these in these types of competitions. If you're a professional footballer and you don't get up for games like these, you should not be playing the sport. And so I think that in itself is is motivation for the players, even though they're still inconsistent in a lot of you know their domestic league games. They have to bring their A game at the Champions League level week in, week out, because if you don't, you're going to be, you know, discarded and you're going to be just dumped by the wayside and then teams aren't going to take you seriously. Benfica is a club that it's it's been a while. It's been a while. We last reached the quarterfinals uh, six seasons ago. Um and ever since then, we've not really done anything in the Champions League competition. And we've we've started to, you know, we wanted to build to get to this level, to get to the quarterfinals, as I mentioned before. This is this should be where Benfica should strive to, to go to season after season. And so that consistency there, even though you're not able to apply it on a weekend basis in the domestic league, Champions League speaks for itself, man. As I stated before, this these are the types of games that every single professional player wants to be involved in. Playing at the start of the lose with a packed house, having big almighty Liverpool coming in and then going into Anfield, which is a dream right, for any professional player to play in. And so um, I think those things speak for themselves. Yeah, 100%. And I think you mentioned the, um, the, the last time he's actually got to the quarterfinal. It was six years ago. And 
So I've already spoken to you about it and you say, obviously, this is what you should expect from Benfica every single year. So, but based on this season alone, would you say it's an overachievement? Did you expect Benfica to get here, especially after what has happened, obviously, domestically and um, seeing your two biggest rivals being, you know, closer and challenging each other than yous are? And is there a case of, you know, this is the second half of the season. No matter what happens in this quarterfinal, it's that big of a game. It's that big of an occasion. You've obviously got a, a decent crowd. Um, it'll be a packed house at your ground. Is the case of this could be a turning point in the sense of no matter what happens, you know, you get to play a, a game against one of the, the world's best in Liverpool and you get to show that you can hold your own. But also after this, whether you win or lose, you've got the bounce to then take it and go into the domestic league and try and claw back that 12-point gap. Yeah, well, it, that all depends on the, how the tie comes out, right? If we get absolutely demolished by by Liverpool, obviously that confidence is not going to relate back to the to the Portuguese league. So therefore, uh, I don't expect the team to pick things up. But, to you know, look, it's a lot easier to sit here today after, after the outcome um, of, of the previous games and, know act like you knew that this was going to happen but to be brutally honest with you when the when when the initial draw came out we got you saw Bayern Munich Barcelona and Dinamo Kiev you saw obviously a giant in Bayern Munich you knew it was going to be a very tough opponent but the other two teams at the time Barcelona going through all the the controversy and everything that was going on with Messi you know that this was a team that wasn't at their best at the moment I know they've turned things around now most likely if you could play them now it'd be totally different result but at the time, there were a team that were going through their own struggles. Dinamo Kiev was a team that everybody felt that they could absolutely or should have the obligation of beating a team of the likes of Dinamo Kiev. So, to me, it wasn't a surprise at all that Benfica got through that group. And then, you know, you saw the almighty Ajax, who I know they've played good football over the last couple of years. But to me, Benfica and Ajax did the same exact team. I think that, you know... um, they play in a smaller country, in a smaller league, but they're the giants of their country. They have huge expectations. They both had, uh, uh, you know, uh, success in, in previous Champions Leagues. Ajax having won three, Benfica having won two. So this is not new to them to be in these types of competitions. Coming into that tie, I thought Ajax was favored based on the way that they were playing in Benfica at the time. Well, as I stated before, they had just gotten you know, rid of their coach. There was a little bit of change at the top, and you'd expect a little turbulence, but... I, I, I didn't think it was, you know, one of those matches that Benfica had absolutely no chance. I thought Benfica was going to go in, and and if they played their football and things came out the right way, that they that they could absolutely advance into the next round. And here we are, and now we got Almighty Liverpool. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Look, in, in Portugal, um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but we weren't exactly thrilled when we saw. Liverpool come out right that's not the team at least is I'll speak for myself two teams I didn't want to face was Liverpool and, and Bayern Munich because I see as you two guys clubs that you know you're leading four nil five nil you just want more you five you want six you get to six you want seven it's just you're just going to keep pressing and pressing and pressing and making the opposition's life miserable so I did not want to face you guys but you know it is what it is you have to play who gets put in front of you it's going to be two historic clubs facing off against one another uh, growing up as a child, my dad always spoke to me about the greats, about the fantastic teams of uh, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. But he always had a special feeling in his heart for 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 Liverpool. And so I grew up 
having to hear these wonderful stories about Liverpool. And then obviously they dropped off a little bit. And it seems like that's where Benfica is at now. Um, we have not had success in European competitions. I know we made it to two, two, uh, we made it to two finals and, 13 and 14, I believe. But those are Europa leagues, obviously totally different than me making it to the Champions League finals. So this is where Benfica wants to be. But you have tremendous challenge. You get to go to Anfield. You get to hear the fans. You get to hear you never walk alone. This is it's going to be a dream come true to a lot of these players. Um, and I'm excited for it. Um, I can't wait for Tuesday. You know, it's great to hear the, the sort of worldwide and, and continent-wide influence of Liverpool. It's interesting, you know, this idea about the Portuguese league and, you know, the, the size of the clubs that are in it. I think really we're seeing an improvement, I'd say. And there's a possibility that within the next couple of years, I think driven a lot by young talent um, at those sort of three clubs, you know, Portugal could be one of the big five leagues, you know. It's sort of coming up towards France in the, in the coefficient rankings, and obviously, there's no guarantee of of that being sustained necessarily. But um, there's certainly a possibility that that Portugal could sort of leapfrog, you know, Liga, which would be obviously a, a really significant step. But and you touched on the the reaction to Liverpool um, being drawn. I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But one thing I just want to ask first of all is. We obviously saw Liverpool face Porto in the group stages, um, one pretty emphatically away from home. And then in the round of 16, we saw something similar happen when Manchester City played Sporting. So the logic says those two teams have been comfortably beaten by the best two sides in England mm-hmm. and Benfica are somewhat struggling relative to those two sides. So on paper, you'd almost be braced for a similar story but why do you think it's what gives you the the sort of reason to be confident that it isn't going to be a case of um rolling over um as as your two rivals have done well <laughs> I, i'm not too confident that things are going to go our way but i'll tell you this much i'll give you a story going back to 2006 you guys uh, liverpool defending champions league champions draw benfica um well, you know, Benfica had no chance. Nobody gave Benfica a chance going into that tie. And Benfica finds a way to win a game. The first game, the first leg, 1-0 at the start of the lose Luizão scoring. And then going to Anfield and beating them 2-0. Uh, Simão and Fabrício Micoli scoring the two goals. So, uh, very comparable times. You guys just coming off of lifting the, 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 you know, the cup with the big years. And Benfica had no chance in some way, somehow. We found a way. Um, do I think that's going to happen again this year? I don't. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm at least hopeful that we could keep things close. And Benfica do have a couple of players that could definitely cause some some problems to the Liverpool defense. But at the same time, I mean, on paper, um, it should not be a matchup. It should not be a matchup on the field. But that's why you play the football. It's 11 v. 11. Um, and things will get interesting. And Benfica will definitely try to keep things compact, try to defend and hit them on a counterattack. Now it's going to be... Uh, up to Rafa and Darwin and these guys to have their good games, to have you know to be on their good days and hopefully catch Liverpool napping. Uh, but again, it's happened before, and I know it was a long time ago, guys. But uh, I guess that's the only hope uh, that I have left to me is that we could pull off another tremendous upset as we did in 2016. I think. I mean, 2006. I'm yeah, sorry. 2016. But I think you know we'll certainly come back to to Darwin uh, Nunez later in the podcast because he's obviously you know, potentially the the big star of this team. 
But um, it's certainly interesting what you say there. And I think there's certainly an element of almost having nothing to lose. You know, obviously we know the stature of the club and they, they won't want to be embarrassed by any stretch. But Liverpool, the all expectation is on them in this instance. And you've talked about the magnitude of the fixture and getting to go to Anfield. You know, this is something that hopefully for the Benfica players that, that they can try and enjoy and play without maybe the burden that is is on Liverpool as they, as they go for sort of this historic quadruple that they're chasing. But you mentioned earlier about the improved form under the new manager. I wanted to revisit that. Um, Dan helpfully put together some some stats for us before uh, the podcast, and he he's uh, pointed out for us that. It's been nine games um, since you lost, so that's obviously a, a decent unbeaten run. So why is it that the form has improved? Obviously, there's been the change in the dugout, but why sort of specifically and how much has that transformed confidence levels coming into this game? I think uh, Vrish was just finally nailed down to starting 11. There was, when he initially took over... There was a little bit of change in the lineups. Obviously, with the previous manager, he never fielded the same team back to back. It seemed like he hadn't decided in one and a half years who was starting, whose strongest eleven would be. And Verissimo, right from the get go when he came in, changed things up a little bit, and then he started giving the same guys consistent minutes to get to know one another. And these guys, it seems like that that motivated some of the guys and getting to 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 understand the style of play of one another. I think that's helped things out. Now. Um, being in this stage of the competition, right, still being alive in the Champions League, being able to play in front of the world, I think players, as I mentioned before, that in itself motivated these guys. And 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 you could tell that the confidence started to grow. Benfica, I don't think that they're a team that's, you know, weaker than Porto by 12 points or Sporting even by, by six. Benfica, at the very least, should be right there with those guys fighting tooth and nail, but you can tell due to injuries, due to the lack of confidence, that inconsistency, you never knew what team you're going to get week in, week out. Um, And I think a lot of that is mental. A lot of that was with the confidence, as I mentioned before. And so once they started to string a couple of games, a couple of victories together with the same guys playing and getting the same role, now you weren't questioning Am I playing next game and I'm, am I not going to play? And it just seems like Verissimo identified a core group of guys and just ran out with them and their confidence started to grow and you started seeing that. And then all of a sudden they they tie, you know, Ajax at home after trailing 1-0, then 2-1, to one, and then tying the game late. And then the second half, they really outplayed Ajax. They should have won that game at the start of the lose and you could tell the confidence is growing. And, you know, it's just been a trickling down effect. And I think that's been the most positive thing about what's happened here with Verissimo is that, the players, you look at their faces. Before Vrissimu came in, you, you, the camera panted them, and it's like, these guys didn't even want to be here half the time. You could tell. It's like, all right, here we go. It's another game. Let's just get it over and done with, get the season done. And then you could tell the shift in attitude with these guys, right? The youngsters, a lot of youngsters started getting a lot more minutes, and the team started to get confident, started to roll. And so, um, you know, a lot of credit to him. I, I wasn't a fan. Um I wasn't a fan of Verissimo. I didn't expect Benfica to turn things around. I did not have any confidence going into the, um, you know, going into Amsterdam with him at the, at the helm. But look, to his credit, he shocked everybody. He's got these guys believing. And now you got the, the huge, you know, Liverpool in front of us. But again, the game is played 11 v 11 and things will be interesting. And, uh, you know, Benfica do have a bunch of players for, that are national team players. It's not going to be a bunch of amateurs going up against, you know, 
big almighty Liverpool, things will be interesting. But you guys are definitely favored. And Benfica understands that. But it's still an honor to be at this, you know, this stage of the competition playing against the likes of Liverpool. Yeah, there's certainly two elements, um, I suppose, for a new manager. And one of them is transforming the mood around the club. And the other, I think, would be style, like style of play and the changes they make there. And I know, Chloe, you wanted to maybe pick up on that. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, how uh, would you sum up Verissimo's style and how can, you know, these pack of players get at Liverpool? Because we obviously were all aware of how Liverpool play, um, the philosophy that Jürgen Klopp's installed into this football team. And you mentioned there how you, you didn't really have any belief in, in Verissimo at the, at the beginning, but he somehow put confidence in these players and got them playing in a certain way. And how how uh, what what's the style of play? What should Liverpool expect or Liverpool fans expect uh, from his team? And how uh, which what what are you gonna attack in this Liverpool squad? Because as we know, it's it's quite a, um, a strong squad. If I do say so myself, it is hard to attack. But we do have um, situations in which we are maybe out of position or we're too high up the pitch, we can be counted that time. So what what do you reckon the style is for, for you to, you know, play against us and how, how are you going to um, somehow get beyond us? Chloe, all that gets thrown out the window when you play Liverpool. All of that. I mean, forget, forget his style. They're just going to sit back, defend, hang on for dear life, try to catch Liverpool on the counter. It seems like... That's the way every Portuguese team plays when they're playing these competitions. They're playing against these bigger teams with, you know, a lot deeper pockets with superstars at every position. Look, he's going to play in a 4-4-2. And as I said, they're all going to defend. They're going to try to occupy as much space as as possible. And when they get the ball, they're going to look up and look for Darwin on one end or going to look for, you know, Rafa Silva on the other end. And they're going to try to catch Liverpool overconfident because, as you guys know, Klopp loves to press all over the field. He likes to play with a high line. And as a Benfiquista, I'm hoping that some way, somehow, we defend all day and we do this just like we did in um in Amsterdam. Got a set piece late in the game and we're able to convert. Uh, that's the one thing about Verissimo that he's supposedly very good at, even with the B team. Um, set piece, set piece wise, he's the guy's clinical. He play, pays attention to details and and you know we mock it half the time in Benfica world. But look, that came to fruition in Amsterdam and it was good enough to get Benfica to one nil. Victory is good enough to advance, and here we are speaking about Liverpool. So you've mentioned there that they're going to sit back. Is you know, I've heard quite a lot about uh, the Benfica crowd. I've heard it's great atmosphere. My brother lives in Portugal. His fiance, they're all Benfica fans. Um, so I've like heard all about. <laughs> I've heard all about um, the atmosphere that you can create. Will the crowd be okay with you sitting back for ninety minutes at least in the first leg, or? Will he kind of expect a bit more from you? Come on, when you're playing Liverpool, you have to understand, you know, that if you open yourself up in the back, the likes of Mane, Salah, even Jota, they'll, they will absolutely destroy you. So I, I think the Benfica crowd's smart enough to understand that this is unlike playing, you know, no disrespect, but Sturil and Tondela and Gil Vicente. You know, we're playing Liverpool, and we understand that we're going to have to withstand some heavy pressure. And I think the crowd's smart enough. They'll understand. And, you know, it all depends um, on, on the output by the players. If the players are out there and they're giving it their all. And, look, sometimes you get beat by the better team. I mean, you know, coming into a game like this that you're behind the, the, the eight ball and you know that you're playing a team that is 
if not the best team in the world at the moment, he's they're, they're definitely in the conversation of the best teams in the world. And Benfica is smarter than that. So I think as long as the players put out a performance, put the effort out, um, regardless of the effort, I think everywhere else at the start of the lose will be uh, will be content. Yeah, and moving forward, let's talk about uh, some of the injuries. And according to Transfer Market, there's a couple of long-term injuries of, of players who won't be back. Uh, set of, I can't even say his name. I'm going to Harris like Seferovic. Harris, he's back actually. He's Harris. actually back. Is he back? He yeah, he's back. He's actually in the on the team sheet for tomorrow. Benfica plays Braga tomorrow, and he's back. He's, he's he got called up for that game, so he's back after about two months, I would say. But the other two guys, Rodrigo Pinho. He's out yet, uh, knee surgery, and uh, Verissimo as well. He also tore his ligaments in his knee, so they're, those two are definitely not coming back. Now, he might pick up some injuries tomorrow and Benfica's game against Ajax. I mean, against, well, Ajax, here we go. Against Braga, uh, hopefully that's not the case, but right now the only two that are out. I know Adele Tarapt will not feature in tomorrow's game as well. He's got some type of muscle pull, but I expect him to play on Tuesday against uh, you guys. Yeah, and the two players that you mentioned there, are they massive misses for you? Have they, you know, been integral at times for, for part of your season? Or is it more about squad depth rotation and, and the fact that they're um, maybe not always used in the first lineup, but the most definitely brought on to influence games? Rodrigo Pino uh, on the pecking order, he was like the fourth option. He, like, as you mentioned, for, for depth more so. Verissimo, on the other hand, Benfica got him from Santos, I believe, um, in December of last in January of last season. And they changed it. Benfica normally plays in a 4-4-2, sometimes in a 4-4-3, depending on the coach. But uh, never nothing in anything else besides that. And George Jesus switched his system to play for, to play a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 at times just because of Verissimo, because he wanted to get Vertonghen, Otamendi, and Verissimo. So he was an important player. He was a starter. He's a guy that we're looking to to next season when he comes back, hopefully healthy, um, and he resumes his career 100%. He's a guy that we're looking forward to plugging in there. He's, he's a, a legit starter on this team. Um, so, yeah, he was a huge miss. Uh, and ever since then, Benfica just converted back to a 4-4-2 in order to withstand his uh, his loss. Yeah, Savarovic there that, that you mentioned, is that a, a boost in confidence for everyone? Because um, he was the one on out of those three that I instantly could picture who he was. Um, and you, we've obviously mentioned, you know, uh, the other striker that took his place being absolutely sensational for you so far this season that we'll talk about in a bit. But is it that kind of, you know, if things aren't going correctly or, um, you know, maybe he's struggling against Liverpool, that uh, you've got someone there who maybe can influence a game. Well, I think anyone who uh, comes up against us, there's, there's been a couple of teams where um, they can bully us. I, I remember a game against um, Brentford and uh, they, they bullied our, our centre-backs at, at times and we ended up drawing the game 3-3. It was very uncomfortable for us. Mm-hmm. So um, can can Serovic do that in the sense of can he bully this back four of, of Liverpool and, and uh, hold the ball up, make sure he's get up the pitch and um, he might be a vocal point for you? 100%. He's a guy that could pose some threats for you guys. He's going to be able to take on the likes of Van Dyke. He's very physical. Um you know, he's strong, powerful. He's definitely what we call what we like to call the English player style. He has it. He has what it takes to compete and battle with those guys back there. 
The other guys are up front. They're thinner guys. Don't really like contact that much with the exception of Darwin. But I think Darwin's better on the left than he is up top. But that's what we'll talk about him in a minute. But, yeah, I think Harris Fedovic is the type of player that the dude is, a, you know, he could absolutely come up and pull a rabbit out of a hat. And then he could just shank the easiest of, of opportunities. Just go back and look at Benfica's game at that Camp Nou against Barcelona in this Champions League uh, here in, in the group stage where – he's basically one-on-one with the goalie in the 90th minute in some ways. He went around the goalie. We all thought it was in and somehow he misses the net. So he's capable of the most amazing things. And he's also capable of the biggest shanks you'll ever see, but he'll definitely be a presence. He's, he's physical. Um, he likes contact. He's going to be in there fighting for the ball. He's going to p- apply tons of pressure. So I'm, I'm actually excited that he's back. It gives Benfica another option, another fresh body off the bench that could absolutely make things a little bit interesting for you guys in the back. I think he's maybe someone who English audiences will have been familiarised with because of major tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. Seems to pop up with a couple of goals for, for Switzerland each time. And so maybe he we will sort of be prepared, I'd like to think, for the kind of threat that, that he'll be able to provide, um, whether that's from the start or, or off the bench. But seeing as we've started talking about um, personnel um, and some familiar names, um, I guess we'll, we'll start with... Um, to wrap because he's someone you mentioned already. Now he's obviously played for QPR and Tottenham, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he, he's well known here and he's quite fondly remembered. I'd say, you know, maybe he wasn't the most consistent in his performance levels, but because of his, his talents his his occasional showboating, I think he's someone who, you know, the, the phrase that the kids use is the streets won't forget. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, in the Premier League. So, I'm intrigued to hear about how he's sort of performing these days and whether he's really changed or maybe matured slightly as a player. Uh, Adele Therapt is one of those players that you see the guy with the ball at his feet and then you see what he's capable of at times and your jaw just drops. And then other times you see him giving the ball up, you know, childishly and you're just scratching your head like, what are you doing? He's capable. As I mentioned, Svetovic, this guy is capable of the most amazing things, and he's also the most infuriating players at times. Um, he's come into Benfica with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, and for about two and a half years, didn't play a minute. Wasn't even part of the main squad. Um, former coach Rui Vitoria wasn't a fan of his from the get-go. Um, just discarded him, sent him to the B team, and he was there for a while. Now, I had the opportunity and the privilege and the pleasure, I should say, to speak to Adel Trapp for about an hour and a half. Um, and we sat down, we had, it, it kind of reminded me of an interview that came out just recently about him. I don't know if in the UK papers over the last 24 hours. Cause I feel like a lot of what I was reading there, I had this conversation with him personally. I just didn't make it public, but this is a guy that I've always rooted for. I've always watched him play from the young age at QPR. Didn't even go to AC Milan and having a really good six months in Milan. I always expected a lot more out of this guy because he has that ability at his feet. But some way, somehow, there's always something missing. And so when I got to speaking to him, um, he explained to me that, you know, he went to to through a very tough time in Portugal. When he arrived in Portugal, he had no friends. He wasn't really, you know, um, he didn't get no playing time. He got discarded from day one with the coaching staff. They really just said, look, you, you, we don't count on you. Do what you have to do. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go our way. You do, do, do what you have to do on the B team. And for a while, he struggled. He said he went through depression. He said there, was no, there wasn't there was a lot of people I could speak with. I couldn't call my mom. And 
in Morocco and let my mom know that things are difficult because I don't want my parents and my family to think I was struggling. I didn't want them to worry about me. So I always put on a smile, let everybody know that everything was okay. But deep down inside, I was struggling with this. And he came very clear. I don't know if he, because I didn't get to read the story um, that came out over the last 24 hours. But I don't know if you mentioned that in that story. But he told me personally that he considered retiring. He was thinking about retiring. And then one day he just looked at himself in the mirror and said, man, I still love this game very much. And I'm going to give it one last time. I'm going to give it one last try. And so to answer your question more directly, when you said, has he changed, has he matured? I think from that moment on, you could tell he's a totally different player to, to the, the teammates, the young kids on the B team started really praising him for being a positive influence on their lives and trying to tell these guys to take things the right way and look at me as an example. Because as you guys know, Benfica's famed Seychelles Academy, there's a lot of talent over there, a lot of kids that are, quote unquote, the next. And so he, you know, he educated these kids and, and you know, and told them, don't believe everything you read. You're going to get to the promised land, but you have to put in the hard work. And so he became a positive influence in the locker room. And now, and then what's his name? Now, um, oh my God, uh, Bruno Lage, who's now the coach at Wolverhampton, took over Benfica and he was his coach on the B team. And he saw that new Adel Tarapt and he decided to bring him up to to the main squad, and he's been there ever since. He's a totally different player. Now he's a tight, he's what we like to call a box-to-box, a number eight, right? I mean, for those of you that remember him playing in England at a younger age, he's a 10, a guy that really didn't track back, wasn't hustling, wasn't pressing, get the ball, give me the ball, get out the way. And now you see the guy putting in the shift every single game. There are very few players on the field that work as hard as Adele. Now, he's very infuriating, right? He still turns the ball over. You just like, wow, just a couple games ago, um, he, right at the beginning of the game, he picks up his head, and I don't know who the hell he's passing it to, a play intercepted before. We know we're down 1-0. Then he gets the assist on the tying goal. So he does the, the most magnificent things to the most infuriating things. Then the next game, believe it or not, seven minutes in, he comes in, studs up, gets a red card. So, again, he's all or nothing. But he has tremendous ability at his feet. Um, and there's a guy that I root for uh, week in, week out, man. I, I'm a big Delta Top fan. And I'm sorry for going off on that because I'm no, not. But I'm I just wanted to give it a little insight into it because he's a guy that yeah. in England gets a lot, of, a lot of publicity and a lot of people talk about him. But there's also the side of him, the human side of him, that, that fans don't think about players at times. You know, when they're, they're in foreign countries by themselves. And, you know, we just like to, to look at guys, say, oh, man, the guy's not scoring. He sucks. But there's a lot more to that sometimes. Yeah, there's so many things to pick up on from that. I think what, what you've just said there, you know, why, why I was going to say on that was you are right. It's something that we maybe don't consider enough is, you know, we think about whether players are, are fit for a tactical system and, and things like that. But do we think about are they actually happy in that environment, especially if it is a, a new and unfamiliar country? And how is that influencing the performances? And I think the second thing I'd say is certainly wouldn't have been something that we expected him developing into a box-to-box player, but that really does underline the that maturity and that and that transformation that you, you spoke about. And I'm certainly not surprised that he's someone that you you root for and maybe feel a connection to because that can happen with players who are so entertaining and maybe they're not the most you know reliable and consistent in their performances, but they produce the moments that I think really make. You know, certainly a lot of young people, you know, fall in love with football as well. So I think, yeah, 100% he is a sort of probably the most interesting player that'll be um, involved um, in either squad. But to touch on a couple of other players who 
um, are sort of familiar to, to Premier League viewers, um, very familiar in the amount of football they played. Um, the centre-backs, Vertonghen and Otamendi. So Vertonghen, obviously, in England, I think, regarded as a, a very, very good centre-back, formed part of a Tottenham defence, which for a while had a claim to be the best in the league, that sort of partnership with other virals. You know, maybe towards the end, he looked like he'd, he'd declined somewhat. And then you have Otamendi, who obviously won quite a lot of Man City, but I think had a bit of a reputation for being a little bit of a lunatic, <laughs> if, if I'm honest. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm keen to, to hear about how they've done in Portugal, but also about whether you think they are of the level that's going to be required to sort of frustrate, frustrate this Liverpool attack, because we know, obviously, they've achieved a lot in their careers and, and performed at a high level in the past, but they are now, you know, maybe towards the, the latter end of their careers and could it be something that is, is a bit too much for them at this stage? As you mentioned right there, these two guys have a tremendous ton of experience. They've played at the highest of levels. Um, none of this will be new to these guys. They played in finals. They they played in you know the Premier League for years and so they know exactly what to expect in a game like this against Liverpool. But as you mentioned, in the latter part of their career, and man, they're 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 not the fastest, uh, you know, uh, not the fastest guys on the field. And so I, I, that's the one aspect of the game that leaves me concerned um, in a game like this, going into you know going into a game like this against Liverpool. The pace of the game will will they be up for it? But I think Befica will make the proper adjustments. Maybe Julian Vigo will slide down a little bit more in playing between those guys because he's got a little bit more speed in his in, in you know in his in his in his feet. And so um, Befica will will, will adapt. We'll do what they have to do to make things difficult for you guys. But yeah, those two guys have have come in, and they've been exactly what we all expected them to be. Um, one's a class act, and the other one is just someone that goes around hitting everybody over the head. But that's what makes those two guys uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh, Man City fans maybe found uh, Otamendi obviously very frustrating, but um, maybe a few of them that that sort of attitude appealed, and uh, hopefully, um, I suppose for your sake, if you do sort of sit deep, then maybe that lack of pace won't prove to be too glaring an issue. Mm-hmm. But Otamendi, real quick, Otamendi's one of those guys that if he's on your team, you love him, but if he's on the opposite side, you actually hate to play against that yeah, type of guy. Yeah, they might Exactly, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and moving on from defence to attack, um, I mean, we've highlighted them several times, but you scored 26 goals uh, so far, two assists in all comps, um, and he's obviously Darwin Nunes, he's scored that goal against Ajax to send us through. Um, he's been quite a, a good player for you so far this season. He's your biggest threat. I mean, I can also mention a, a couple more. I really like Rafa uh, from you. I've, I've liked him for quite a while. Really pacey. Um, seems like a player who could kind of fit into a Liverpool-style front today. But, Come get him. Uh, Come get him. <laughs> keep it on Nunes. Um, how, how infectious has he been for your team so far this season? I mean, just, just listen to the stats. Obviously, um, it, it it was great to see the the celebration in the pictures when when he scored against Ajax. Just as a football fan, um, but what's it been like having him as, as your main man? Well, going back to if I'm not so we're in 22 now, right? So the summer of 2020, Benfica flirted with the uh, Edison Cavani, right? The signature of Edison Cavani for a while. That that was like an ongoing saga for a couple of months. And so eventually he wound up going to, as you guys know, Man United. So Benfica had to turn to Edison Cavani late. And they went out to Almeria and spent a club record fee 
on Darwin Nunez at the time. He came in with a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, I, for one, was was not a fan from day one, and I'm eating. I'm sitting here eating crow. He's absolutely been spectacular this season. But last year, he had his ups and downs. He missed a couple of uh, games with uh, injury, knee injuries, and also yet some mental uh, health problems or whatever. You know, he said he was suffering through those things. He, it, it was too big of a move for him at the time. But this season, he's been everything we expected and more. He is a player that is on a mission. He's a player that every time he touched the ball. You just have to sit at the edge of your seat because you don't know what he's going to pull out, you know, what he's going to do with this. And so I think he's going to be uh, the most dangerous player uh, coming into this game against you guys. But at the same time, I think you guys will very well understand that. I'm pretty sure you guys have done your scouting. You know that you have to do everything to stop him. And, and um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if if Darwin is the type of player that can take on the you know the the defenders the big physical boys in the English Premier League. I think a lot of teams around the world will be tuning in to these two games to see how Darwin performs against the likes of Van Dyke and and Arno and everybody else you got in that back line because um if he performs well this is the next big guy out of Benfica. He's the next big ticket into possibly you know the English Premier League or the likes of Spanish um La Liga. So a lot of a lot of hope and a lot of hype around this kid, um, and so it'll be very interesting. But he's got pace, he's physical, never gives up. I think the one most impressive thing about him is that from the first minute to the 90th minute, his effort is the same. He's constantly giving and putting forth the same effort. And it's impressive to watch a young kid like that uh, because we, as we, as you guys see many times, as we all see in games, a lot of players don't give it that effort 90 minutes. And, and, and he does that. He brings it the whole time. And so um, the game's never over when he's on the field. The guy will always try to get the ball in the back of the net. So I'm very, again, I know I keep saying this, guys. I'm, I'm a huge fan coming into this game on Tuesday. I'm very excited. I can't wait to watch this game on Tuesday. Yeah, of course. I think as a Liverpool fan, I feel the exact same. It's a, um, it's the greatest competition in, in world football for me. So I, I totally agree with that. No matter who you play, so to reach uh, the, the quarters already, it's, you know, um, and also Benfica, the team that um, I've not seen us, like 2006, I was four or five, so I've not really seen us, <laughs> you know, come up against this side, and um, you mentioned there, he, he could be the next best thing, and um, I'd like to mention, you, you, you know, your youth academy and, and the, the type of players you bring up, because um, we know Portugal, Portugal has a lot of really good talent, and uh, you have had a lot of really good players, you know, João Felix, who now mm-hmm. has gone to Atletico Madrid, but, you know, was at, at one point named like the next biggest thing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you have got loads of talents that Bernardo came out of there. Silva, so. Ruben yeah. Diaz, Ederson, uh, João Cancelo, Would all you maybe send some our way and stop them going to City, please? That that would be great. That would help us out a lot if they didn't <laughs> end up in a in a blue shirt in the Premier League. Um, but we've talked about obviously your main threat, but there are other players. You know, you've got Silva Yarmolenko. Yep. I'm going to say his name is yep. who uh, had a very good Euro 2020. Um, uh, Everton as well. That's another player that uh, I've I've seen loads of hype mm-hmm. about. Um, and they all seem like they have some pace in them as well. All of these players, it seems like, um, with how high up the pitch Liverpool do and can play, especially with that high line. I'm pretty sure Benfica have got their eye on that uh, that high line of Liverpool's because if you can get a ball over the top, yeah, Virgil van Dijk has uh, the ability to, to track you down and, and run dead fast as well. But if you do beat that offside trap, 
you've got some really fast and technical uh, players that that can go one on one with Allison and uh, can cause us some some trouble. Um, and another player which you're gonna have to help me out with the the pronunciation, Diogo Goncalves. Diogo Gonçalves. Brilliant. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, I've been really impressed with him. He's a he's another. He's a youngster as well, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's around 25 or something. So um, there's a load of talent there. And I think when you say you're going to sit back and you're going to try um, and, and counter-attack, um, I think it could work good for you because uh, you do have quite a lot of, of, of talent up at the end of the pitch. Um, and then when your striker's as deadly as he seems to be this season, um, you've got to have some hope as a Benfica fan. Um, so are you, are you kind of, you know, not expecting anything, but have a slight hope that just one opportunity on the break and you, you could mm-hmm. actually put Liverpool in a lot of trouble. Absolutely. As I mentioned before, look, these are all players that national team players, all players that played at the highest of levels. They can absolutely pose a threat. Rafa Silva, I know you asked me about him before and I just talked about Darwin, my apologies. He's the <laughs> fastest player on the squad. Um, when the guy is on form, when he's playing well, he's the best player in Portugal. But then he goes months where it seems like he's not even on the squad. Um, so it, it all depends what Rafa we see against Liverpool. If he brings his A game, he's going to make things very interesting because the dude's everywhere. He's a small little guy that can move like a cat. Everywhere you turn, he's there pressuring, applying pressure, getting the ball, making his runs, always getting in behind defenders. So I think he's going to make things very interesting as well. Everton is a guy that came into Benfica from Grêmio with a tremendous amount of hype. Benfica played 22 or 23, which for you guys is, is peanuts, but for Portuguese teams, a lot of money. Benfica paid 22 or 23 million from Grêmio at the time. Uh, Brazilian national team starter, you know, you suppose there's Arsenal, a bunch of other English Premier League, League teams were interested in him. So a lot of people were surprised that he came to Benfica at the time. But he's, you know, again, inconsistent every single player we've spoken about with the exception of, of darwin darwin's been benfica's most consistent player all season long with the exception of him every player we could talk about is inconsistent they're capable of bringing in you know their a game and they're going to shock the world they're going to pose a lot of trouble for your back four but at the same time if if they bring that guy that 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 you know if they bring that attitude that they really don't want to be here today you know just another game or maybe the moment's too big for us. I don't know. Whatever goes on through their mind. If it's one of those games, it's not going to be pretty. But they do have the ability. And and, and that's the part of me as a Bifikisa that's really excited to watch this game on Tuesday. Because I understand Liverpool is the biggest boy in the room, uh, in, in the playground, I should say. And, you know, and, and they're going to have things that can make things really easy and really ugly for you at the same time. But Bifika do have the players that can absolutely cause some trouble due to that speed and that tenaciousness from from the likes of Darwin and Rafa. And so I'm hoping that, as I mentioned before, you guys are pressing high with the high line and feeling a little bit too confident by yourselves. And Benfica's able to, on a quick two-step, all of a sudden have the ball behind the likes of Van Dyke and Darwin and Rafa getting onto it and uh, seeing Allison one-on-one. So things could get interesting. Yeah, and I... Uh, I you know, respect Benfica. I don't think it's going to be an easy game for Liverpool. And uh, the other reason as to why was, um, I mean, we, we obviously played Porto um, previously in, in the, you know, group stages, but we also played AC Milan and then we battered absolutely AC Milan all over the park. And then it came to Inter Milan. And at the time, AC Milan were above Inter Milan and 
we kind of sat there thinking, surely they can't they can't play like that. And Inter Milan did give us a really um, hard fought game. They, they were possibly the better team over the two legs, but Liverpool did just enough in in the times that they were good. And I think maybe that is the worry for Benfica is the fact that. Liverpool in in the space of ten minutes can score two goals, or you know, and if that happens in two legs, then there's four goals there, and I, I think it's a case of um one wrong move can slightly you know be a, a horrible error for you because of the clinical players we have up top. But uh, saying that, you know, Benfica have got some really good stars, so I will ask you the hard question of how do you think both legs are gonna pan out? Uh, is Benfica going to cause an upset and go through? I'm praying and hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I think Benfica is going to look at that game against Inter Milan in a couple of your recent games where you've not played particularly well, and they're going to try to take you know some positives from those games and tell the players uh, that, that, look, these big boys, I know you lost one game in the whole Champions League so far, and it was against Inter Milan, but it can happen. You know, This is why you play these games. If it was just on paper... You know, uh, obviously, you always have the same repeat winners over and over. You'd have no upsets. But I think Benfica is absolutely going to be up for this game. The crowd is going to be into it. We all understand it's a gigantic mountain to climb. But again, it can be climbed, right? It can. It can happen. It happened in 2006. So it could happen again. Um, will it most likely happen? No, it won't. But again, it doesn't mean you can't believe. And I think Benfica will be up for this game. Playing against Liverpool, one of the historic clubs in world football. Uh, if you need more motivation than that, if you need anyone else to get in your face and ramp you up and get you excited for these games, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, man, retire, hang up your boots and go do something else. Yeah, so the, the beauty of football. Um, by the way, I absolutely loved when Liverpool Football Club was an underdog. Uh, we are no more, but underdog status is one that I'd love to be called. So for Benfica, you know, it's not all that bad. I love being... Um, the team that's overlooked and then shocking people so we know the talent that you have and you can do that and um, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the podcast a really good insight um, boss to hear about Benfica a bit more obviously you knew the, we knew the basics of it but uh, the stories you've got there and obviously the insight is, is next to none on, on Benfica so thanks so much and uh, I'll give you this opportunity to plug any of the work that you'd uh, you'd like to plug Yeah, um, my, first of all my pleasure and again thank you very much for the invite um, it's always an honor to speak about um, Benfica, and then and most importantly, when you're speaking about the likes of Liverpool, it's it's always fantastic. Um, and I was gonna say, you you know, in two weeks, maybe you guys come on my podcast, the Benfica Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Benfica Podcast. You can find myself ten co ten on Twitter and Instagram as well, YouTube, the whole nine. But maybe in in two weeks, you know, you guys could come on my podcast, and um, you know, myself, Alfredo, and, and Dave the Oliveira. We'll be glad to be talking to you guys about the huge upset that Benfica just pulled off. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. Um, hopefully that won't be the ending of the game. But uh, we'll see. I mean, there's there's not much else, is there? You've got to absolutely look forward to these games. And, and what a game it should be, no matter the outcome. Um, before we do finish the end of the podcast, please do um, give us five-star ratings on Spotify. We've also got our YouTube up and channel, uh, up YouTube channel up and running for um, any little teasers, bonus content that we can throw on there. So do go and subscribe to that. Um, the next episode of Unrestricted Reds will be after the first leg, and hopefully Liverpool will have gave themselves some sort of advantage. But what a time to be a Red! And 
clearly what what a time to be a Benfica fan because playing Liverpool uh, in the quarterfinals of the Champions League is something to look forward to. But until the next one, up the Reds.